0: If you have your Bible, will you please turn with me now to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 will be in verse 31. It's also reprinted on the back of your bulletin. We've been having our sermon series called A Great Cloud of Witnesses, going through all of the saints mentioned in Hebrews 11. And then the author tells us in chapter 12, having looked at this great hall of faith, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Today, we're going to see the faith of Rahab, which is the final message in our series. And in the faith of Rahab, we're going to learn a lot about God. Uh, let me pray before I read. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear from you right now. In Christ's name, amen. Hebrews 11 and verse 31. Let's hear the word of our Lord. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. That's our text this morning. So far in Hebrews 11, the list of all of these saints follows a pattern. First we get by faith, then we get their name, and then we get what they did with sometimes a when they did it. So by faith, this person, what did they do? That's Hebrews 11. If you have your Bible open, you can go back to verse 4 and we'll look at a few of these real briefly. Verse 4, we're going to see the pattern. By faith, Abel offered to God. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, now we get a when, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear. What did he do? Constructed an ark. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed. 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up. 20, by faith, Isaac, invoked. 21, by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed. 22, Joseph, end of his life, made mention. 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused. And 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea. That's the pattern that we've seen over and over and over again. By faith, this person did this but in our verse, something changes. Hebrews eleven thirty-one. 31, our verse, By faith, Rahab the prostitute. As you're reading along, this is supposed to shock you. It stands out. And for us in our culture today, the word prostitute really jumps off the page, really shocks us. In Jewish culture, particularly as this story was transmitted, uh, the idea, particularly first century Christians, second century Christians, they would have been more shocked by the fact that Rahab was allowed into the people of God because she was an outsider. So it's shocking because Rahab wasn't one of the people of God, and it's shocking to us and many others because Rahab was a prostitute. Her life of sexual sin is mentioned. No one else's sexual sins are mentioned. But look back at that list. Abraham had some famous sexual sins. Jacob had some famous sexual sins. Why name Rahab's sins? That's a really important question to ask when we come across a text like this. And the answer is going to tell us a whole lot about God's grace. So four points this morning. First, God saves enemies. Second, God saves prostitutes. Third, God rewards faith. And fourth, faith obeys. I'll say it one more time. First, God saves enemies. Second, God saves prostitutes. Third, God rewards faith. And fourth, faith obeys. First, God saves enemies. Look at our verse again. By faith, Rahab. Who was Rahab? Rahab is the first person mentioned so far that is essentially considered an outsider to God's people. Yes, Abram, when he was selected by God, was definitionally an outsider, and he becomes the father of God's people. But basically, since Adam, you have these people walking with God, and then you get Rahab, an outsider, not a descendant of Abraham, not a Hebrew. She didn't travel in the wilderness with Israel. She lived in Jericho. And Jericho, as you remember from the song and from the sermon last week, Jericho was an enemy city. She likely worshipped false gods. She was not one of God's people. Not only that, she lived in Jericho, and at this time in the story, when you mention Rahab and Jericho, Jericho was like minutes away from being destroyed, So Rahab represents Jericho and the enemies, and God promised hundreds of years earlier that the area of Canaan, the promised land, once it reaches the fullness of iniquity, God's people would go in and they would defeat their enemies of God. We read about it in Joshua 2, verses 1 through 3, and here's how Jericho and Rahab enter the story. Joshua 2, verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, go into the land, right, go into the promised land. They're spying it out before the military effort. Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. All right, so that's how Rahab enters the story. This person who lives in the city that is the enemy of God, who was formerly an enemy of God, she, and we'll talk more later about what she did, but she hid the Israelite spies and helped them escape, and it was very risky. Rahab does something very risky, especially since Rahab was betraying her own people, right? Right? If America was at war with Canada and we sent spies into Ontario and someone hid our spies to help us prepare a battle plan against Canada, they would be a traitor. That would be considered treason. If anyone did that from the other direction, it is a treasonous event. She was an enemy. Rahab was a former enemy of God, but God had a role for her to play. So God gives her faith, and then she acts in faith. And by faith, she did what she did. And this reminds us that God saves enemies. God saves enemies, amen? Amen. Uh, When the people of Israel were going into the promised land, they thought they were going to get rid of everybody. They thought they were going to fully defeat all of the peoples of the Canaanites, all of the people of the other uh, religious groups. They thought, well, that's what God's going to do. He's going to destroy everyone. But God was going to save one family, and the family he was going to save was Rahab's family. She was the enemy, but God gave her faith, and so we are reminded that God saves enemies. And this isn't just uh, an individual story. Oh yeah, Rahab. Well, every once in a while, God saves an enemy. Uh, If you are a human, you were conceived, and you were a sinner from conception. And all of us, we were born into sin, born as enemies of God. And so it's really good news that God saves enemies because that means there's hope for us. Paul says it this way in Colossians 1 verse 21. And you who once were alienated, enemies of God, and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he, through Jesus, has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So God, through Jesus, is in the business of taking former enemies and rescuing them from sin and redeeming them from sin. Former enemies saved by grace. Or as the song says, and I love this song, Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. Isn't that beautiful? This isn't just, oh, Rahab, at least one enemy of God. No, God is in the business of saving his enemies, and that, if you're saved, means you were a former enemy of God, but now you're seated at his table. Jesus, thank you. God saves enemies. But if that's what he does, and if that's what he did in the life of Rahab, not only saved her, but used her for great things, what does it mean for us today? Well, let's think for a moment about who God's enemies are now. Who are God's enemies? Well, anyone who isn't saved by Jesus Christ is an enemy of God. Their sins are separating them from God, and we want to love them and have compassion on them, but our unsaved family members are enemies of God. Our unsaved neighbors and coworkers and classmates are enemies of God. Those who attack faith in public are enemies of God. Those who mock faith in school are enemies of God. Those who ridicule Christianity on college campuses, those who laugh and laugh and laugh at people of faith are enemies of God. And you know some. Maybe you are one. But guess what? God saves enemies. The person you thought of when I gave that list, maybe the person is someone who just vilifies Christianity and mocks you for your faith. They're an enemy of God, but guess what God does? He saves enemies. And that changes our perception of those around us. Yes, enemies of God, but we want to love them. We want to show grace and mercy. We want to show them Jesus. And one other thought about how God saves enemies. This, I hope, might comfort some of you. I'm often in conversations with Christians, and the conversation will go something like this. My child, my sibling, my spouse, my neighbor, my best friend, right? They list someone that they love, and then they share, there is no one further from Jesus than them. They just reject Jesus and they hate Jesus and they don't love anything. They, They don't like the Bible at all. They're so far from Jesus. And I say, can I share a thought? And I bring up the Apostle Paul who wrote that we were once enemies of God, but then we've been redeemed. I think about the Apostle Paul. So one day he's on the road and Jesus meets him and saves him and changes his life. The day before that day, when his name was Saul and he was still called Saul, all of Saul's friends would have said no one on the planet is further from Jesus Christ than Saul. And he went to bed that night and woke up the next day an enemy of God and that night he went to bed a child of God. God saves enemies and we never know how far someone is so do not be discouraged Show the love and patience of Christ to enemies of God because remember, like Rahab, we too were enemies of God but we're now seated at his table. Jesus, thank you. And that's point one. God saves enemies like Rahab and like you and me. Well, point number two. This point is rated PG-13. God saves prostitutes. Look at our verse again, Hebrews eleven thirty-one. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute. Uh, there's a word in Hebrew for a prostitute. It's not the one that's used in the Greek in the New Testament. The Greek word here is pornē, pornē. Okay, and you can guess that that's the root word of pornography porneia is the greek word for all illicit sexual behavior sexual sins outside of god's beautiful design for sex one man one woman in marriage the word porne can cover any kind of sexual sin outside of that beautiful picture god paints so in the greek it says by faith rahab the porne so she's rahab the porn person which is really interesting because the other people in Hebrews 11, their sexual sins aren't mentioned, but hers are mentioned because that's what she was known for in her community. A sexual sinner, a prostitute. That was her label. Rahab, the porn person. Rahab, the sexual sinner. Rahab, the fill in the blank. Who knows the kind of names the people had for her? Who knows what was scribbled in the dirt in the public bathhouse about her? Who knows how people talked about her behind her back? Only the Lord knows, but I bet she heard some of it. Rahab was known as a prostitute. And this is a really great reminder as we read that list of saints in Hebrews 11. That yes, it is a record of saints, but it's also a record of sinners. God saves sinners. God saves prostitutes. And this reminds us that faith is for everyone. We're born into sin, and some of us give in whole cloth to every whim, every sin we want to go after, every simple pleasure that takes us away from God, and we might have a reputation for that sinfulness in our own heart or in the hearts of others. And that is who God saves. Your record of sins doesn't disqualify you from hearing and responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your friend or neighbor or coworker or family member who you think is one of those labels, they're not disqualified from hearing the good news and responding. Because Jesus qualifies sinners for salvation by what he did on the cross. Jesus offers God's grace to all who call on his name. Think about Rahab for a moment. I mean, she's such a really interesting uh, person in history. If you were going to ask an Israelite, let's say the soldiers were waiting to go into the promised land and they were talking. Do you think like God's going to tell us to spare anybody? Like maybe, maybe there's one or two righteous families. Like maybe there's one or two really holy families. Or maybe there's one or two really good households. Like is God going to ask us to spare anybody? If they were like playing that hypothetical out, nobody had a prostitute on their bingo card. Nobody. Yeah, I bet. I bet when we go in, We're going to destroy everyone, but there's going to be a prostitute that God's going to spare. Nobody would have thought that. Have we likewise disqualified some people because of their sins or reputations from being receivers of God's grace one day? I hope not. God saves prostitutes, God saves sexual sinners. Today, many people have given into sexual sin. It's everywhere in our culture, but God saves sexual sinners. So let's love everyone in Jesus' name. We disagree where we have to disagree, but let's show the love and grace and mercy that we received when we too were enemies of God. God saves prostitutes. Our friends need the gospel, but sexual sins are also in Christians. The fact that God saves sexual sinners is really good news for Christians because maybe some of you don't know how to talk about your sexual sins. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know how to confess those sins. You're so ashamed. You're so uncomfortable talking about them. You feel like no one else struggles with that, and you're wrong. I promise you, you're wrong. So you keep it to yourself. But if you are struggling today with lust— if you are struggling today with relational and sexual envy, if you are struggling with pornography, if you are struggling with letting your mind wander into out-of-bounds territories, there's hope for you. Because God saves sexual sinners. But let me tell you something I've never heard in counseling. I have done a lot of counseling. I've been here about 15 years. I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of sins confessed. I've heard a lot of sexual sins confessed. Here's something I have never heard. Dave, I've been struggling with this sexual sin for a decade, all by myself. I haven't told anybody. I haven't really repented or confessed it to to God even. I've just been trying to fight it all by myself. And I've been using programs and apps and this and that and that, but I've never told anybody about it. I've been fighting this sexual sin all alone. And then one day I woke up and it was gone. I have never heard someone say that. Could God do that by the grace of God? Of course. But he doesn't often do it. Those sins eat away at us. They destroy us from the inside out and they make us lonely and want to fight alone. And that is exactly where Satan wants us when we fight against him. With his favorite weapon, he wants you to fight it alone. And I have never heard someone defeat that sin alone. But there's good news. God saves sexual sinners. Rahab the prostitute, Rahab, the pornay, Rahab, the sexual sinner. God saves sexual sinners. And if you've been on the receiving end of that, you've been set free and you know it. So share that story carefully with others, and maybe they will hear from you that they are not alone and there's hope for them too. I remember a Bible study my freshman year in college. It was a men's Bible study. I was at a secular campus, and so we had our Christian fellowship group, and we felt like we had each other, and that's like all we had. And I remember, I can, I can remember in the dorm room where I was sitting in 1998, and there was a group of guys, and someone said they were struggling with pornography. And everybody else went, oh, ah! And one guy said, I thought I was the only one. And that man that year found freedom from sexual sins. Because Satan had him exactly where he wanted him. He was fighting it alone. And then he realized his brothers in Christ could help him through prayer and accountability. And that man has been set free from sexual sin Satan wants you to think that God doesn't save prostitutes. God doesn't save sexual sinners. God can't save you, but he does. And it's really good news, isn't it? That's point two. God saves prostitutes. Rahab, of all the people in Jericho, the prostitute? You better believe it, because that's the kind of God we have. Point three. God rewards faith. God rewards faith. We're going to learn more about what Rahab did now. Look at our verse again. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish... With those who were disobedient. All right, there's the reward. She did not perish with those who were disobedient. Those who were disobedient were the nations who were killing children, throwing kids into fires, injustice all over, corruption all over. God said the iniquity of the Canaanites was going to fill up to the fullness, and then He sent them in to destroy them, to bring His wrath down on them. And Rahab did not perish with those like everyone else who were disobedient. Rahab was willing to take a risk now for God to get a future reward. The rest of her people did perish, but not her. And remember, Rahab was an outsider. But she was watching and hearing the stories of what God was doing for her people, and she wanted what God was giving God's people for herself. And so God gives her faith, and she does this act of faith. And it's a reminder that God rewards all faithfulness. Even the first baby steps of faithfulness, right? What did Rahab do before this moment she was a career prostitute? And what did she do that night? She let spies sleep on her roof and she is remembered in scripture for her faith. One small act of faith. Maybe that's all it is gonna be for you this week, this month, this year. And God rewards that. He rewards faith. Think about Rahab. She lived in a depraved city. The Canaanites around her were doing all manner of wickedness and evil and things you don't even want to share in public from the history books. She was surrounded by sexual sin and violence. She had participated in it, but God gave her faith and her faith made the difference. And her faith really stood out, doesn't it, from the rest of her community? Right, her faith really made her stand out. Maybe you feel like Rahab at work. I am surrounded by people who it seems like are just asking for God's judgment, or I'm surrounded at school for, by people who are just seem like they're asking for God's judgment. Maybe you feel like Rahab. If so, then there's hope. There's hope. Live a life of faith in God. One act of faithfulness, one act of love towards the outsider or towards someone else, he rewards that. Verse 31, again, she did not perish with those who were disobedient. At the end of the story in Joshua 6, we read this, but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So when Joshua was written, the idea is, hey, she still lives in Jerusalem. Why don't you go ask her what God did for her? And she will give you her testimony. One act of faith rewarded her, spared her from the judgment. She's an example of faith. Not only is she an example of faith, but some of you know that in James chapter 2, the author of James, James says that Rahab was an example of real faith that is seen in your acts of faith, faith that works. And so you want an example of someone who didn't just say they believed it, but lived it out? Rahab is an example of that in James chapter 2. So her reputation prior to this act of faith, which was rewarded by God, Her reputation was prostitute. Rahab, the prostitute. And now she will forever be remembered as, by faith, Rahab. That's her new reputation in Christ. Can your story be redeemed? Well, what's your reputation? What do you think about when you think about yourself? How do you think about yourself? Or what do you think other people think about you? What's your reputation? Think for a moment. How do you think about yourself? What's your your reputation for yourself? Some of you, you're thinking, oh, I'm awesome. Some of you are thinking that. I know it. Some of you are thinking, I'm awesome. Because I used to be one of those guys who just, I went everywhere thinking, I'm awesome. I am just awesome. Just get to know some people and they will let you know (laughs) that you're not as awesome as you think you are. So, some of you, your first thought was, I'm amazing. I'm unique. I am just special. Some of you, your first thought was, Oh, I'm worthless. I'm filthy. I'm a failure. So, what's your reputation? Here's the good news. Here's the good news. What Rahab thought about herself doesn't matter. What Jericho thought about her as the local prostitute doesn't matter. What the Israelites coming in to invade Jericho thought about Rahab doesn't matter. What God thought about Rahab is the only thing that matters. So whatever you thought or what you think other people think about you doesn't matter. What God thinks about you, matters. And if you are in Jesus Christ, then there is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Because God knows you and loves you. And he has saved you and washed you and redeemed you. And that old reputation is not what you will be known for according to God. You will be known for your faith just like Rahab. I had fun is the wrong word for this, uh, but I really enjoyed some of the thoughts the Lord brought to me this week thinking about Rahab. Uh, Rahab's name and act of prostitution are written down in the Bible. The most Famous book of all time. If I told you, hey, we're going to write your sexual sins down in the future most famous book of all time, how many of you would say, put me in there? No one. Billions of people know that Rahab from Jericho, from 3,400 years ago, was a prostitute. But God said, she's going to be known by her faith. By faith, Rahab. Before faith, prostitute. By faith, Rahab. Before God's act of faith-giving grace, she was known for her sins. After God's act of faith-giving grace, she was known for her faith. That's what God does. So how about you? Whatever you thought your reputation is, God changes reputations and his people will be known for their faith in Jesus Christ. This is beautiful, good news for the whole world to hear. So, God rewards faith. He rewards it in tangible salvation, like Rahab, avoiding the judgment. But the reward of God through faith is a new identity and a new reputation and a new story and a new final chapter. That's what God does. That's the reward. Well, fourth and finally, faith obeys. Fourth and finally and briefly, faith obeys. I'm going to read the whole verse one last time. Look at verse 31 again. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. If you're unfamiliar with the story, it begins in Joshua 2. Before crossing the Jordan River, Joshua sends two spies into the land and tells them to go to Jericho. They stay at Rahab's house that night. She hides them from capture. The king of Jericho finds out about it and is hunting them down, the spies down, and asks Rahab, where are they? Where are they? And she does this thing, which has become like a famous movie trope. She's like, oh, well, like, I bet if you go that way, you might find them. <laughs> right? That's, she like invented that meme. They're not here, but uh, if you go that way, maybe you will catch it. If you hurry, she says, if you hurry, right? Well, then Rahab goes to the spies after they're hidden safely, and she tells them a little bit about what her and her people are thinking. So the enemies of God are thinking something about the people of God, even though the Jericho people hate the people of God because they're at war with one another. But listen to what Rahab says to the spies about how the enemies of God are thinking. This is fascinating. If you want to read it later, it's Joshua 2, 8 through 14. But Joshua 2 through 6 is Rahab's story. Joshua 2, verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, here's what she heard, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, Sihon and Og, you devoted to destruction. And then she says, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. So she's an enemy of God up until basically that week. And yet she knows there's something about the people of the one true God. They have something. He does something for them that we don't have. He saves them. He delivers them. And so she says, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And then now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, her simple act of faith, that you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men say to her, Our life for yours, even to death. They make a promise. If you don't tell this business of ours, then, we will, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So the people of God who were going in to destroy Jericho, they learn a little bit through Rahab about what the enemies of God were thinking. The people of Jericho were hearing the testimony of what God does to save his people. All they knew was that God saves his people. God redeems his people. God delivers his people. And that melted their heart. They had to go to bed thinking, is our God real or is their God real? That's what they were thinking. But they were listening. So Rahab helps the people escape. They plan on hanging the scarlet rope on her house. To let the invading Israelites know, don't kill anyone in that one house. And it does happen. Jericho's destroyed. And Joshua keeps the promise the spies made to Rahab. What does faith do? Faith obeys. What did Rahab do? By faith, she opened her door and showed hospitality to God's people. That's all she did. And she's famous. She hosted a sleepover. And billions of people have read about it. Faith obeys. She didn't lead the army. She didn't carry a weapon. She didn't part the Jordan River. She wasn't part of the team that walked around the walls. She opened her door and showed hospitality. Now, was her home nice and clean? It's very likely, although we don't know for sure, that this wasn't just her home, but it was also her workplace to engage in prostitution. Probably not the cleanest house of Jericho. Probably not the house that everybody wanted to go to for dinner. And was your home nice and clean? They slept on the roof. Who knows how clean it was? She showed hospitality. Look at that last line in our verse. Because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies, her faith was rewarded. Faith obeys. Here's what she didn't do. Oh, the place is too messy to have company today. She opened the door and showed hospitality. She didn't hesitate. She took a risk to obey God, which was a huge step for her. Likely, this was the first act of faith in the one true God of her entire life. And maybe that's all you'll be able to do this week. This week, by faith, obey God in one thing. Show hospitality. And inspired by the story of Rahab, what about this week, praying for God's enemies? What about this week, praying for sexual sinners? This week, receive God's rewards for faithful obedience. And the main reward isn't just salvation from certain circumstances. It isn't just a new reputation. But the main reward of our faith this week is going to be God himself. His love, his hope, his comfort, his Holy Spirit producing fruit of peace and patience, and gentleness in your heart. All of that is the reward of faith that God gives his people. He is going to make us more like Jesus no matter what your past reputation was. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute. What a story. Four points. God saves enemies. Amen? God saves prostitutes. Amen? God rewards faith. Amen? Amen. And then faith obeys. Well, friends, that's our survey of Hebrews 11. After the story of Rahab, the author turns to many other saints and briefly mentions their names. And they were not only saints, but they were sinners as well, saved by grace. But then the author wants us to end our sermon series and any thinking on the saints of Hebrews 11 with the first two verses of Hebrews 12. So this is where we will end our sermon series. Hebrews 12, look at verse 1 first. By faith Rahab the prostitute, by faith all those other saints, those men and women of old, who by faith trusted God. Verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight And sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Stop there. What is your race the Lord has set before you? Your race is your race, and the Lord is giving you the faith to run that race, but but how can you do it? Verse 2 is how you're going to do it today. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How can God save enemies? Why would God save sexual sinners? How can faith, which is a gift from God, be rewarded only by the blood of Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross For sinners. So, brothers and sisters in the family of Christ, look to Jesus as you run your race with endurance. Fix your mind on Jesus. Follow Jesus this week for your good and his glory. And then you will not be remembered by the one whose opinion matters most for your sins. You will be remembered for your faith. And all God's people said, Amen. Let me pray. Lord, this is is news that is almost too good to be true. You save enemies and you seat them at your table. You adopt outcasts into your family, and we are now your children. We have a new family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And you've paid for all of our sins. So that by faith in Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Help us live lives of faith this week. Help us receive the reward of faith from you by grace. And help us pray for and have your love for enemies and sinners so that we might show them the love of Jesus Christ, so that they too could be redeemed, like Rahab and like us. Thanks for Hebrews 11. Help us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. It's in his name we ask